or often in journeying Langwood, for in truth Enoch's white horse, and Enoch's ocean spoil in ocean-smelling osier, and his face rough-reddened with a thousand winter gales, not only to the market-cross were known, but in the leafy lanes behind the down, far as the portal-warding lion-whelp and peacock yew-tree of the lonely hall, whose Friday fair was Enoch's ministering. Then came a change, as all things human change. Ten miles to northward of the narrow port opened a larger haven, thither used Enoch at times to go by land or sea, and once when there and clambering on a mast in harbour, by mischance he slipped and fell. A limb was broken when they lifted him, and while he lay recovering there, his wife bore him another son, a sickly one. Another hand crept too across his trade, taking her bread and theirs. And on him fell, although a grave and staid God-fearing man, yet lying thus inactive, doubt and gloom. He seemed as in a nightmare of the night to see his children leading ever more low, miserable lives of hand to mouth, and her he loved a beggar. Then he prayed, Save them from this, whatever comes to me. And while he prayed, the master of that ship Enoch had served in, hearing his mischance, came, for he knew the man and valued him, reporting of his vessel China-bound, and wanting yet a boatswain. Would he go? There were yet many weeks before she sailed, sailed from this port. Would Enoch have the place? And Enoch all at once assented to it, rejoicing at that answer to his prayer. So now that shadow of mischance appeared, no graver than as when some little cloud cuts off the fiery highway of the sun, and isles a light in the offing. Yet the wife, when he was gone, the children, what to do? Then Enoch lay long pondering on his plans, to sell the boat, and yet he loved her well. How many a rough sea had he weathered in her, he knew her as a horseman knows his horse, and yet to sell her. Then with what she brought, buy goods and stores, set Annie forth in trade with all that seamen needed or their wives, so might she keep the house while he was gone. Should he not trade himself out yonder, go this voyage more than once, yea, twice or thrice, as oft as needed, last returning rich become the master of a larger craft, with fuller profits lead an easier life, have all his pretty young ones educated, and pass his days in peace among his own. Thus Enoch in his heart determined all. Then moving homeward came on Annie, pale, nursing the sickly babe, her latest born. Forward she started with a happy cry, and laid the feeble infant in his arms, whom Enoch took, and handled all his limbs, appraised his weight, and fondled father-like, but had no heart to break his purposes to Annie till the morrow when he spoke. Then, first since Enoch's golden ring had girt her finger, Annie fought against his will, Yet not with brawling opposition she, but manifold entreaties, many a tear, many a sad kiss, by day or by night renewed, sure that all evil would come of it, besought him supplicating, if he cared for her or his dear children not to go. He, not for his own self caring, but her, her and her children, let her plead in vain, so grieving held his will and bore it through. For Enoch parted with his old sea-friend, bought Annie goods and stores, and set his hand to fit their little streetwood sitting-room with shelf and corner for the goods and stores. So all day long, till Enoch's last at home, shaking their pretty cabin, hammer and axe, auger and saw, while Annie seemed to hear her own death-scaffold rising, shrilled and rang, till this was ended, and his careful hand, the space was narrow, having ordered all almost as neat and close as nature packs her blossom or her seedling, paused. And he who needs would work for Annie to the last, Ascending tired, heavily slept till morn. And Enoch faced this morning of farewell, brightly and boldly. All his Annie's fears, save as his Annie's, were a laughter to him. 
Yet Enoch, as a brave, God-fearing man, bowed himself down, and in that mystery where God in man is one with man in God, prayed for a blessing on his wife and babes, whatever came to him. And then he said, Annie, this voyage by the grace of God will bring fair weather yet to all of us. Keep a clean hearth and a clear fire for me, for I'll be back, my girl, before you know it. Then lightly rocking baby's cradle, and he, this pretty, puny, weakly little one, nay, for I love him all the better for it, God bless him, he shall sit upon my knees, and I will tell him tales of foreign parts, and make him merry when I come home again. Come, Annie, come, cheer up before I go. Him running on thus hopefully she heard, and almost hoped herself. But when he turned the current of his talk to graver things, in sailor fashion roughly sermonising on providence and trust in heaven, she heard, heard and not heard, as the village girl who sets her pitcher underneath the spring, musing on him that used to fill it for her, hears and not hears, and lets it overflow.